The Lord be with you. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. This is great. This is great. Um, so during this season of Lent, our church is going through what we call a college of preachers, where people, where members of our congregation get to proclaim good news to one another. So, um, and the challenge or the, the risk of having calling it a college of preachers is that sometimes, you know, you might have the professor come up and talk, and then other times you might have someone up here that barely passed their SATs to get into college. So, um, so I'll let you decide which one I am. How about that? So um, join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for seeing us, and I thank you for being present with us today. Grant us the grace to breathe today and hear from you. Grant me the grace to breathe and hear from you today. And give us the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture focus uh, from John's gospel is John chapter 11, verses 21 through 25. And it says, Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. And Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. And Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. And Jesus told her, you don't have to wait till the end. I am right now, resurrection and life. Friends, today we proclaim the good news that in moments of disappointment, in moments of grief, and in moments of uncertainty, Jesus meets us in power in our waiting and our wanting. In those times of doubt, in those times where we're wanting something, like our body is wanting something, Jesus can meet you in power in those times. Have you ever believed something to be true, but something else comes along and challenges that belief? Have you had times in your life where you've prayed and prayed and prayed only to feel like God isn't showing up? I, I, I have a friend in my life just a couple of weeks ago where she, uh, she's been waiting for something, and she, used, she even used her hands, and she said, I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I am done praying. I'm done. And you feel like you're being maybe ignored by God. And you start to ask questions like, hey, God, where are you? Are you, in, are you with me in this? Are you here? What else do I have to do here, God? I mean, the Bible is chock full of stories where God delivers people from evil or he heals people. But sometimes our life experience doesn't match that. So here's how this has been playing in my life. Um, I know, don't move around a little bit because it's popping up. So um, here's how this is playing around in my life. Um, on, July, on July 2nd of 2015, uh, I get a meeting invite on my calendar. And it had one word, and that one word was sales. It's kind of obscure, right? And, um, and it came from my boss, and this is completely out of character for my boss to send me this. So... Um, my intuition was telling me that this could be something bad. So, but never fear, like I reacted just like any Bible-believing, God-fearing Christian, uh, similar to the people in this room. I reacted just like anybody, any other Christian would, and I completely freaked out. I absolutely freaked out. 
So, um, I mean, I, uh, yeah, so I, I freaked out, and uh, I don't know if you know anything about adrenaline and what it does to your blood pressure and uh, what it does to um, sudden urges to go to the bathroom, uh, but I was in that state. But what I did, I chose to breathe. I chose to go to the bathroom a couple times. And uh, I texted my boss, and I said, hey, uh, is there, do I need to prepare for anything? And she replied with another one-word answer, no. <laughs> so... So long story short, I end up in her office at the allotted time, and I sit down with her, and uh, I only remember four phrases from this conversation. The first one was financial decision. The second one was uh, change of title. The third one was significant reduction in pay. And then the fourth one was, Andy, you look like you need something to drink. And believe it or not, I did. Uh, I, uh, I mean, I just felt my soul just like being crushed under the weight of those words. And I remember driving home because I know I had to go tell Carmen, my wife, and I remember driving in the car just thinking, what just happened? Like, hadn't I done enough in my career? Wasn't I a good enough leader in this organization? Why, why was I getting downside? Like, why is this, why is this happening to me? But here's the deal. Like, there's no time for being shameful or feeling guilty, right? There's no time for that. I mean, this is America. So here's what I did. So this is America. So I'm going to lace up my boots, and I'm going to pull up my big boy panties and handle this, right? So here's what I did. I hit the job trail. I hit the job trail. So I searched for jobs. I networked with people. And I interviewed for jobs, and I searched for jobs, and I networked with people, and I interviewed for jobs, and I washed and rinsed and repeated the cycle over and over and over again. But after months and months and months of interviews, after rejection emails, after recruiters not calling me back, after just sometimes just silence, I just felt like shameful. Like I just felt completely shameful. Like... From a professional standpoint, I thought I had done all the, all the right things and believed all the right things and did all the right things professionally. And spiritually, I felt like I did all the right things too. I mean, I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm discipling others. People are discipling me. And I felt like, God, are, are you here? Like, do you hear me? Like, what's going on here? Like, I'm, I'm doing all these right things. So... I ask you, have you ever experienced the tension, that type of tension? Uh, we have friends of ours in Lafayette um, who have spent uh, many years trying to get pregnant. And after multiple times of in vitro fertilization, they still cannot get pregnant. Uh, a buddy of mine, another example, a buddy of mine in high school, uh, or a buddy of mine has a, uh, a son in high school who struggles with anxiety. So before he goes to bed every night, there's this level of anxiety that prevents him from going to sleep. But then in the morning, his son goes to school and struggles with anxiety first thing in the morning at school. Another friend of mine who lives in Carmel, he's a, uh, actually a personal trainer, and which, which is kind of ironic because he, uh, he doesn't feel good about his body. A, guy, a person that's training other people does not feel good about his body, and he deals with the shame of what people are thinking of him and what, what people think of his body. 
Have you guys ever entertained thoughts like that? You know? In the story of Lazarus, um, what's interesting is Jesus, if, if, if you recall the text, Jesus doesn't go and heal Lazarus' sickness when the first messengers came. So Mary Martha sent messengers to Jesus. But Jesus doesn't leave right away, does he? He stays for a few more days. And in fact, uh, in verse 4, chapter 11, verse 4, Jesus says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Then he waited a couple more days, and then he started traveling to Bethany. But here's the deal. like <laughs> Lazarus had died then. Lazarus has already died. Now, when Martha and Mary got word of this, Martha was the first to go. Martha was the first to go to Jesus whenever she finally heard, or when Jesus uh, decided to finally come, and listen to her question. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then the same thing for Mary. So Martha goes and tells Mary, hey, Jesus is here, and he wants to talk to you. So Mary leaves, and he, she leaves, uh, the Bible says, um, uh, what's the Bible say? Uh, <laughs> rapidly, or expediently. And so Mary, <laughs> that's a good word, right? I know, that, that word's greater than five letters, so I apologize for, you know. uh, Then Mary rushed out to Jesus and asked him the same thing, Lord if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Essentially, they're asking, if you have the power to fix Jesus, or to fix our brother Lazarus, why weren't you here? Why didn't you come? This is not a question of, is Jesus still Messiah? Is Jesus still Lord? It's a question of, I've seen you heal people, and here's someone that you love. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you come? I can relate to Mary and Martha. Uh, the question of doubt, the wanting God to show up in a big way uh, in my times of doubt and in my search for vocation and the feelings that are in the, in the thoughts that are provoked from those things. Uh, Dallas, Dallas Willard, uh, he's, he's passed away, but he's a, he was a theologian and a, an author. He calls this living in the tension of the now and the not yet. And friends, I am very familiar with this tension, especially when my faithfulness to Jesus doesn't turn into Jesus showing up for me, right? But here's, here's the deal, guys. Um, the good news in this text is that Jesus does show up. He does. It may not look like what we think, but he does show up. If you look in uh, verses 33 through 35, it says, When Jesus saw Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Uh, anybody watch the Kentucky-UNC game? Yeah? A few people. There's a few basketball fans in here. That's good. So um, as, as much as I'm a fan of UK losing, <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw the videos at, in the locker room after that game, but you had uh, grown young men crying on each other 
and physically consoling one another. I mean, it was, it was so sad, even for Kentucky, you know? Like, I felt compassion for Kentucky, which is really hard. There was someone on Twitter that posted this quote on Twitter. It says, sports is probably the only context where men can cry on each other and physically console one another without having questionable masculinity. Our culture doesn't have many safe places to grieve or be sad about something, right? Especially as adults, especially as grown men. In our culture, we believe the lie that weeping before God is not honoring to him. But in the story of Lazarus, this is where Jesus wants to be taken to. He wants to be taken to the place where he knows people are going to be weeping. Listen, friends, although Jesus did not give Mary and Martha what they wanted, they trusted Jesus enough to do what he asked, to take him to the tomb. In the story of Lazarus, this is where Jesus, this is where his power shows up, at the tomb. And not only did he go to the tomb with them, he cried with them there. Now, uh, let's talk about this for a second, about this Jesus wept verse. Uh, I'm going to make this very explicit. This was not just a tear or two running down, this, uh, running down his cheek. The Bible talks about like he had an intense feeling in him. Uh, so let me make this explicit. He actually lost it, absolutely lost it. In, in our culture, we call it an ugly cry. We call it an ugly cry. Any ugly criers in here? <laughs> Without pointing at people. No, and the reason why he did this ugly cry, he was embodying their anguish at the tomb. He was embodying. Friends, he knows what grief does to people. He knows what death does to people. He knows what your wants do to you. He knows what our desires for healing do to us when we don't get what we want. Yeah. Friends, don't miss this. This is a holy moment. When Jesus is crying at the tomb with Mary and Martha, this is a holy moment. Jesus is having an ugly cry with his friends. This is such a powerful gift that our Savior gives us. To trust him enough to take him to the tomb and have an ugly cry. That's such a powerful gift. Jesus met Mary and Martha in their waiting and in their wanting, and I'm going to throw a, uh, another W word in there just for bonus points, uh, but he also met them in their weeping as well. So the challenge, um, the challenge and frustration I have with uh, this Lazarus story um, is that not all stories end with Lazarus coming out of the tomb. And this is where I'm at. So, um, uh, if it's okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off script here a little bit. Um, about six months ago, uh, and this this is how uh, this is how uh, this is my personal response to this good news of Jesus meeting us in our weeping and in our waiting. About six months ago. Um, if you remember my cycle of applying for jobs and networking and interviewing, 
uh, I found myself sitting at the dining room table, and I, uh, I just kind of pushed my laptop aside because I was like my friend told, said, I am done. <laughs> like, I am so tired. I am so exhausted. I'm so done with this cycle. I'm done with the hustle. And, uh, and I just sit back in my dining room chair, and I'll, and I'll never forget this. It says, if Jesus came into the room, um, yeah, I don't know if you remember this. Man, they put like jalapeno pepper <laughs> stuff up here, like it's allergies or something. Um, but uh, I remember hearing footsteps coming up from behind me, and I remember a, a gentle touch on my shoulder. And I remember my wife coming around and getting about eye level with me. And uh, she and I hadn't really communicated a lot um, over the past over that past week. And uh, just because when the level of shame that I was feeling, because it's like, why can't I get a, a new vocation? Like, how simple is this, Jesus? Like, how simple is this? Right? But she came around and looked at me. And uh, she looked at me and she said, hey, Andy, where, where are you? you don't, I don't feel like you're here right now. And it was as if, uh, and I recall that day, and it was almost as if Jesus was asking me or telling me, yeah, you're not getting what you want. I want you to take me to the tomb. So for me, I have these tombs of shame like, I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes to do this. And I don't know if you guys are experiencing stuff like that today. Uh, I, I don't know everybody's story. And, you know, in, in the suburbs, a lot of times it's, we just kind of go about our day and just kind of avoid those types of things. Um, maybe some people in the room need healing from something. Uh, maybe people. Um, I moved around, sorry. That's okay. Um, maybe some people in the room uh, feel guilty from past mistakes. And they're, they, uh, they need to be re- re- resurrected into a new life. Friends, today the good news is Jesus can meet us at those tombs. Whatever it is. We just have to, there is a level of faith that can trust Jesus enough to heal us right? And to raise people from the dead, there is another level of faith that trusts Jesus enough to take him to those tombs, even if he chooses not to do those, not to heal and not to resurrect. That's where he can give us life. That's where his resurrecting power is. So which tombs would you like to take him today? For some of us, it's vocation. For some of us, it's, uh, it's loneliness. Uh, for some, it's healing. Uh, where do you need Jesus' power to show up for you today? Where do you, need to, where do you need Jesus to have a good old ugly cry with you? Jesus will meet us there with his power. Uh, right now, ben is gonna, um, Ben's going to come up um, and play a short song to give us time today. Uh, to bring to Jesus whatever we need to. Um, now, this is, uh, for some people, it's going, um, it's going to be very simple and lightweight, but for other people, some people in the room may need to lament 
And lament is just a fancy word of bringing our sadness before the Lord so he can meet us there. Um, then after that, we will have a time of response. Uh, so our church, um, as you can tell, it's a little, uh, um, little, little more formal liturgical. So uh, in your bulletins, after we get done singing, after, your, after bulletins, or, or in your bulletins, um, on page, um, oh, there it is. There's a community prayer down here, and it says, Father, today, will you meet me in power in my, and then there's a blank, and then you say, Lord, in your mercy, we all respond, hear our prayer. Um, you don't have to do that, but it is a cleansing exercise. All this is is bringing whatever we need the Lord to touch, to heal, to be with us, to sit in with us. We can just uh, bring that before the Lord, and that's how we respond. I'll get us started, but go ahead and play a song and, um, and talk to Jesus.